0: You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're a real church for real people where you can belong before you believe. We're always honored to hear how God is working in your life through this ministry. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, hit us up at wearetherising.com or on Facebook or Instagram. Finally, if you'd like to invest in what God's doing through this church, you can always give online through our site. Thanks again for tuning in, and get ready. Lean forward with an expectant attitude to hear a message from God's Word. I love, I love that song that our band just covered by the Glorious Sun, Sawed Off Shotgun. And uh, I, I love it because it's this picture of just raw realness, right? Like the lead singer, Brett Emmons sings this. He says, Nobody, everybody's acting like they're all all right. I can barely get myself to sleep at night. I'm sick of it. Have you ever felt that way? Like like you look around at everybody else's life and it seems like everything is good. They got it all together. I mean, the pictures they post are awesome. The posts that they make are great. But, but I look at my life and I struggle with some stuff and I don't have it all together and I don't understand why is their life so good, but mine is and I'm sick of it. And then he goes on to, to sing about all the ways that his life has just fallen apart in the chorus. He says, they sent the tax man I lost my job and You got hooked on oxycodone. They shut the lights off. They took the car in. I bought a sawed-off shotgun. Like, he gets to this point in his life where he's just like, I'm done. This is it. I can't take it anymore. My life is falling apart. And listen, there's the me that I don't want you to see, but I can't hide it anymore. I'm done with pretending. Like, there's this moment of grittiness, this rawness, this realness. Like, I'm not putting on a mask anymore. I'm not faking it till I make it. Like, this is... What's really going on? And I love this, va- uh, th- this song, not, not just because it, I, I think it's an awesome song and it's catchy and it's, and it's great, but because it embodies the value that we have as a church, which is we are authentic. We are authentic. And here we are, celebrating five years as a church. And it's amazing. It's awesome. Because we're celebrating five years of all the things that God has done in and through people's lives. We're celebrating the impact that, people has had in God, uh, that God has had in people's lives. We're celebrating um, 165 people giving their lives to Christ and being baptized into him. We're celebrating thousands of dollars given away to our strategic partners. We're celebrating marriages being healed. We're celebrating people discovering that a life with God is better than a life without God. And so this is, this is just a great and a glorious day For us to to celebrate the past five years of all that God has done. But we're not just celebrating the past, we're looking forward to the future, to see all the things that God wants to do and will do through us. And as I think back over the past five years, um, I think about our launch day on September 14th, 2014. Our five year birthday as a church was actually yesterday, but I think about our launch day. See, I I remember leading up to to launching this church, I, I just had this vision that I wanted to reach people who were far from God. I wanted to reach people, know the church was reaching. I wanted to reach people who had given up on God, who had walked away from God. I wanted to reach people to let them know that there's a God who loves you. And he's called you by name and he's given you a plan and a purpose for your life. And your life is not hopeless. You don't have to give up, you don't have to quit, but you can continue on. And so I just had this dream, I had this vision of seeing people who wandered away from God coming back to him this dream and this vision of, of leading a church of, of people who are real and authentic, who said we don't have it all together, but, but we want to know a God who loves us and, and calls us to become greater. And so I remember as we were leading up to, to the launch of this church, I just pitched this idea to several different people. I said, hey, we're going to start this church, and, and, and here's what it's going to look like. Here's, here's how we're going to be, and here's how we're going to operate. And I remember we built a launch team of 35 people. And these were people who came alongside my wife and I, and they said, hey, we're, we're in this with you. Like, we're going to do whatever it takes to see this move of God get off the ground. And so we're going to commit to give to this. We're going to commit to serve. We're going to commit to be bringers and bring people to be a part of this. And I remember for weeks and weeks and weeks, months and months and months, like a year and a half before we launched, we, we met up and we just talked about what kind of church this was going to be. And all the ways that God was going to move in us and through us because we were going to be unique. Because we were going to go after God's lost kids so that they could discover there's a God who loves them. And so we met and we planned and we prayed for this. And I remember before we launched on September 14, 2014, we did what we called sneak peek worship experiences. And so it was right here in this room. I remember, I, I think the first one was in May. Um, We we did it once a month, and so we met right here in this room, and we set up this room, and I think like the first sneak peek worship experience, we we had like 60 people, and I was ecstatic, man. I was amped, because that's 60 people we didn't have before, right? And, and we set up this room, I think we had like two two um, sections of chairs that went like four or five rows back, four or five rows back, and I was pumped, man. So we did our first sneak peek worship experience. And we called them sneak peeks because we wanted to give people an idea of what to expect when, when we actually launched. We didn't call them practice because um, it wasn't practice, everyone mattered. and so. We did one in May, and then in June, we had more people come out to that, and then in July, we had a few more people come out to that. And I remember August, our last sneak peek worship experience before our grand opening, we had 110 people come out to that. And I'm like, I'm ecstatic. Like, I'm excited because I'm like, people are showing up for this. Like, I think we're going to make it, right? And I had no idea what was going to happen on launch day, September 14, 2014. We had prayed. We had sent mailers out to the community. We did radio ads. Uh, we had movie theater ads. We did everything we could to get the word out. And, and that day, September 14, 2014, we set everything up. We got it all ready. And then we opened those wood doors at the back of this auditorium. And I remember seeing people start to trickle in. And then people started to pour in. And the seats started filling up. And I felt like a kid on Christmas Day right? Because I was nervous. I had no idea what was going to happen. I didn't know if anybody was going to show up. And that day, we had 210 people for our grand opening. And I was on top of the world, man. This is great. It's like, people are here, part of this movement. We're going to do something with this. And, And I remember that day, we concluded this series we were in called Just the Opposite. And we did this all throughout our sneak peek worship experiences because I I wanted to let people know the church that they were going to be a part of was one that was founded in grace. That's what grace is. Grace is getting the opposite of what we deserve, right? And I wanted people to know, hey, you are at a church that gives grace in gallons because God has lavished his grace on us and we're a church, we don't get it all right. We don't have it all together. We're a bunch of flawed, broken people, but thank God for his grace. And so we concluded um, a series called Just the Opposite on our launch day and I preached a simple sermon with a simple title, it's just called The Prodigal Son it's actually on our, on our website and on our podcast, if you want to go back and listen to it you can like relive launch day and hear, hear that sermon and, and all of our sermons on our podcast so you can go back and relive the early days but um, it was a good sermon man it was good because in that sermon I preached about the truth that regardless of who you are, where you've been and what you've done, God loves you and God calls you back home, that, that that no matter what you've done, God loves you and, and you don't have to be good enough for God to love you because none of us are good enough. And and I just just said to people, like, if you've wandered from God, if you've strayed from God, if you've ran away from God, if you've never known God, God stands and he calls you back home to him. He welcomes you back as his kid. It was a great sermon, not because I preached so well. I mean, I was, I was um, still still working this thing out But it was great because that day uh, Leah Winters responded to the sermon and she decided that she wanted to give her life to Christ and be baptized. That first day we had our first person to say, I want to follow Jesus. And two weeks later Leah Winters was baptized here in this church. And then the next week, four other people, because they saw Leah's example, said, we want to give our lives to Christ too. And as a church, in the first month of our existence, we saw five people give their lives to Christ, say, I want to follow him and be baptized. And that's extraordinary to me. I mean, that doesn't happen. So I knew we had something special from day one. And then after that series, Just the Opposite, on on week two, we started a new series called The Code. And this is a series that was all about our code of values. Uh, Now we call them our guiding values. Um, But I said, we got to start off this church letting people know what they're getting into. I want to let people know who we are and what they're committing to. Because our values shape who we are. Our values shape our culture. And I wanted people to understand who we were. And we started off uh, that series with our first and what I consider to be our most important value. And at the time we said, it's authenticity is essential. We've since changed the wording of that so that it's we are authentic. And so uh, we started off our church with this series talking about who we are. And we started with this value, authenticity is essential. As we celebrate five years today, I said we got to start a brand new series and we're going to call it Become Greater. And as we go through this series, this is a series that's all about our values. And today we're starting with what I believe is the most important value we have. And it's we are authentic. And I felt that five years was a great time to start this series, to revisit our values, just to remind you of who we are as a church. And just to let you know, if you're coming here for the first time, man, here's the kind of church that, we're, that we are and what we're inviting you to be a part of. And so today we're, we're starting off with, with this value, We Are Authentic. Um, but the series is called Become Greater. And if you've been part of our church for, for any amount of time, especially over the past year, then you've probably seen we've become obsessed with this phrase, Become Greater. Become greater. We, we say it all the time. We have it printed on a, on a sweatshirt at the back. If you want to buy one, you can. But it, it's called become greater. This is a little product placement for you. Um, but become greater. And the reason why we become so obsessed with this phrase, become greater, is because I just believe that's what everybody wants. Like, I believe that you want to become greater in your life, right? I mean, all of us, we, we want to become greater people. We want to become greater husbands and and wives. We want to become greater boyfriends and girlfriends. We want to become uh, greater sons and daughters. We want to become greater parents. We want to become greater uh, employees and and coworkers and bosses. Like each and every one of us wants to become greater. We want to become greater friends. And if you push back on that and you say, "Eh, I don't know about that, not really. I mean, I'm fine with just being average. I'm fine with just being ordinary. Well, that's not what God has called you to. Like, like, nobody ever says, well, I hope I'm just an ordinary husband, right? And listen, if you just want to be an ordinary husband and you're fine with that, that's not what your wife wants. Your wife wants you to become greater. Nobody ever says, I hope I'm a second-rate parent, because that's not what your kids need. Your kids need you to become greater as a parent. Nobody says, well, I, I just want to be some average person. And if you do say that, that's not what God wants for you. Like God did not send his son to die on the cross so that you could specialize in mediocrity. But God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he wants you to live in the greatness that he's called you to. And so each and every one of us, whether you want it or not, have this deep down desire, even if we haven't tapped into it, to become greater. And so what we want to do as a church is we want to come alongside you and say, here's how you can become greater. We want to be the guide in your journey to live the full life God has called you to. And and we just believe that when you live out these values that we have as a church, you'll become greater. And as we do this series, we're not just talking about values we have as a corporate organization and here's who we are but these are values that that you should adopt and embrace in your own life. Because I just believe that when you're authentic, you'll become greater. I just believe that when you believe the best, you'll become greater. I just believe that, that when you show honor, you'll become greater. When you have an expectant attitude, you'll become greater. When you own this, you'll become greater. And so throughout this series, we're talking about not just our values as a church, but we're talking about values for you to live out and adopt because when you do that, you will become greater. And so today we're talking about this value, we're authentic. And this is, like I said, the, the first value that we have listed, but I also think it's one of the most important values that we have listed because here's the truth. God cannot bless who you pretend to be, right? God cannot bless who you pretend to be. See, see, there's this me that I want you to see, and then there's this me that I don't want you to see. There, there's this me that I show everybody, but then there's this real me that I don't want anybody to see, because the real me isn't pretty. the The real me doesn't have it all together. The real me has some has some struggles and and insecurities and feelings of inadequacy. That's, that, that's who I really am. And that's who you are too, right? I, I recently saw this post. A friend of mine posted on Facebook. It says, life on social media. And that's so true, isn't it? I mean, there's this me that we want people to see, but behind that, the part that we don't want anybody to see, it's just broken and damaged. And, and, and I get what this is, right? Like, like I get why... Um, we live in an inauthentic way. See, one of the things that people say they love most about this church is they say, I love how it's real. Like, it's just so real. Like, the people there are real. Like, your preaching is just so real. It's just real. I love that it's real. And I think we love the idea of being real, but when it comes to actually being real, we don't like that so much. Because w- when I'm gonna be real, it means that I have to expose who I really am, and that's painful. W- when I'm gonna be real, I- I get afraid because what if I am real with you and you don't accept that? What if you reject that? What if I surprise you? What if you don't accept me anymore? See, I I think for a lot of people, we're so in love with the idea of being real, but when it comes to actually being real, it, it terrifies us. And I get it. I mean, I understand why that is. Because in our society, there's this pressure to perform, right? In our society there's this pressure to to always look good to always to always have our act together right for, for, for some of you it's like I can't go anywhere until I put my makeup on because if somebody really saw me right for, for some of us like you got to get dressed up to go to Walmart you know what I'm saying some of you are like I don't care anymore and, and, and that's fine and that's good that's good that's good be real be real but but there's this pressure to perform and so When I post, I post about all the great things that are going on in my life. I post about um, my my great vacation, and I show you all the pictures that I put through a filter because I gotta edit it to make sure I get the right angle and make sure it looks right because I wanna make sure I look good in front of you. There's this pressure to perform. And I get it too because when when we're growing up, we, we were reprimanded for anything that wasn't good, right? If you have any thoughts or feelings that weren't good, you're reprimanded for that. And and what happens is we learn to shove those things in the shadows. Oh, people don't like that. Oh, that's not really good. So I'm going to shove that in the shadows. And the things that I'm rewarded for, that's what I'll bring out into the light. That's what I'll allow people to see in my life. And so for so many people, for so many people, especially when it comes to church, we're fighting this culture, when it comes to church, for so many people, they feel like they got to show up and wear a mask and the mask is plastic with a forced fake smile everything's all good how you doing oh praise the lord brother i'm doing well god is good all the time and all the time god is good isn't he but sometimes we don't feel that way sometimes that's not our reality And what I've seen happen in so many people's lives is when things aren't good, they withdraw from church because they feel like they gotta get it good before they get in front of other people. But not this place. We're authentic. Here's a little secret I'll let you know that we all know about you that you don't think we know. You don't have it all together. You're jacked up. You got some stuff that you've shoved in the shadows and we all know it. We might not know what they are, But the reason why we know it is because we've shoved some stuff in our shadows as well. We're all the same. We're all in the same boat. And so I knew when I was starting this church, I didn't want to start a church that was plastic and fake and just smiled and everything was all great all the time. But I wanted to start a church where people could be real. The way we say it here is we're a real church for real people. And sure, it it, it reflects in our dress code. Like, like we don't have a dress code. The only dress code we have is please do. Please do. Like, that's it, just wear something, please. But, but that's it, but, but it goes deeper than that. It goes deeper than that, and this is what I wanna teach us, and this is what I wanna share with you. Like, it's okay for you to not be okay. It's okay for you to not be okay and to say something. Because here's, here's what we do, here's, here's how we live. People ask us, how are you doing? We say, fine, fine. How are you doing, doing well? How's married life, great? How's work? Oh, you know, same busy. How's the family, awesome? How's the relationship with God? Oh, you know I'm hanging in there. Like we live this life of plastic responses like everything is good until it's not. And there's these things that we've shoved in the shadows and and, and here's what happens. We operate from the standpoint of out of sight, out of mind. Like, Like I'm just gonna fake it till I make it. I'm just gonna keep going and I will sort it out on my own. I'm just gonna keep pressing forward and eventually things will be okay until you change your status on Facebook from married to single. I got this, I'm gonna handle this and everything's good until your drinking problem leads to a DUI. I got this, I can handle this on my own, I'm just going through some personal stuff. Yeah, yeah, you got that, until you drop a bomb on your life and walk away from everything. And I've seen this so many times in people's lives. And there's this battle that I feel like I'm fighting in our church and I'm just trying to let people know it's okay to not be okay. Stop trying to hide it. Stop trying to act like you got it all together because you don't. None of us do. And that's what makes me so sad in ministry. So I see people who, who, who they come to, to church and, and everything's great until it's not and then people start to withdraw because i'm going through some life issues i'm going through some stuff in my life hey welcome to the planet so does everybody else and it makes me so sad because i see people settle for a life less than god's best for them you know years ago i saw this um documentary on on uh National Geographic or something. It was like Planet Earth or something like that. But it was this, it was, um, this, this scene of these water buffalo. And uh, they're out on an African plain, and, and they're doing what water buffalo do, I don't know, I guess is eat grass, but that's what they're doing. And there's a ton of them, man. There's, there's a massive amount of these water buffalo. And the scene was this aerial shot looking down on this herd. And then in the right hand corner of my screen from this aerial shot you could see movement in the grass. And then and then there's another shot where the 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 camera is zoomed in on this pride of lions. And these lions are prowling in the grass, and the narrator is explaining that these lions are, are, are looking um, to attack these water buffalo because they need to eat. And so the, the, the narrator talks about they've scoped out the scene, and they're ready to attack. And sure enough, what you see is these lions, they start running toward the herd of water buffalo, and the water buffalo scatter like they run, but then they all come back together. And then there was a scene of these water buffalo, like all kind of standing in a line, facing out, staring down the lions. And the narrator explained that there was strength in numbers. That as long as the water buffaloes stuck together, the lions couldn't penetrate their herd. The lions couldn't attack them. They were powerless when they stayed together. It was only when they separated that the lions could possibly get a meal. And then there was this, this next shot of this lone water buffalo kind of running off on its own. I guess he thought the lions were still attacking. He didn't come back to the herd. And then you see the lions, they, they catch this water buffalo, like they, 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 they catch it out, out, of, out of the corner of their eye, and they turn and they run towards this buffalo, and they're running and running and running, chasing it, and they're getting closer and closer and closer, and then eventually one lion jumps, sinks its claws in, and then its teeth. And then the next scene you see in this documentary is this pride of lions having a water buffalo meal. And it made me so sad when I saw that. Not because an animal died. I mean, it's just the circle of life. It is what it is. But it made me so sad because I thought, that's the church. There's so many people that I've seen come and go in church. Because what happens is... We go through some stuff in our life. We don't have it all together. And for some reason, we feel like we have to have it all together. For some reason, we feel like we have to wear this mask. For some reason, I feel like I can't be around other people and fake it till I make it anymore. So I just need to withdraw and go through it on my own. And then I just see people go through this downward spiral in life. And the reason is because of this cautionary verse that Peter gave us in 1 Peter 5.8. He said, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It makes me so sad when we don't get this value and live it out that we're authentic because what happens is we withdraw from community and our enemy wins. That's exactly where the devil wants to get you, in a place in your life where you're questioning, like, do I even belong? Can I even show up? Because I don't have it all together. And, and maybe you hear this idea about a, a devil or an enemy and you think that's ridiculous or whatever. And, and, and if you have trouble believing in the devil, that, that's fine, I get it. But, but you've experienced his work in your life. You've experienced the self-doubt that he's whispered in your ear you experience experienced the insecurity and the inadequacy. And don't, don't share that with anybody. Because you, you don't want to be that person. I mean, you've met people like that, right? Hey, how are you doing? Oh, my life sucks. Let me tell you. I don't want to hear it. Let me just move on. Come on. You don't want to be that person. They don't really care. Just keep it to yourself. You got this. You got this. You got this. Power through. You can do it. I hear it all the time what happened man where'd you go i'm just going through some life problems just just got issues with life yeah yeah, great that's why the church exists though so that when you go through these life issues so that when you have these difficulties so that when things aren't going right and things are falling apart you have a community that you can press into and say things aren't right i need some help i'm struggling here I'm feeling lonely and I'm thinking about compromising on my standards just so I can be with somebody. I need some help. That's why the church exists. So that you can say, Our marriage sucks. We're sleeping in separate bedrooms and things aren't getting better. We need some help. That's why the church exists. So that you can say, The depression is drawing me deeper and deeper and I don't think I can get out of it on my own. I need some people to come around me and ask, How are you doing? That's why the church exists. Because we are authentic. And we will never find healing, we will never find the freedom that we long for until we embrace this value and become authentic. And this isn't just me sitting in an office dreaming up, man, would it be really cool to be one of our values. This comes straight from the scriptures. This is what James, the brother of Jesus, explained. He said, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The way we find healing, the way that we find freedom, is not by confessing our stuff to God. He already knows it. He's like, yeah, go to some other people, flesh and blood, who can hear you, who can embrace you, who can cry with you, who can come over and sit with you. Go to some people and voice that. That's how you find healing. Healing. That's how you find freedom. But we're terrified to do it, man. Doesn't that scare you? Just just the thought of sitting down in front of somebody and saying, I've been looking at pornography for years and I don't know how to get past it. It's a scary conversation to have. To, To go to somebody and say, I'm so full of pride, it prevents me from serving my wife. And because of that, it's like we're roommates living together and not lovers living together. I need some help with that. It's scary to sit in front of somebody that you trust and love to say, I got some abandonment issues because my dad wasn't around when I was growing up. And because of that, I have a hard time trusting other people and I lash out because I feel weak. And I don't want to feel weak, so it shows up in anger. I need some help with my temper. That's scary to sit in front of somebody and expose some light into the shadows of our life because it's vulnerability. It's saying, here's who I really am. And it's scary because there's a risk there. The question is, will you accept me? Will you embrace me, with my faults, flaws, and failures? But we, as a church, have just said that's how we find freedom. That's how we get healing. And I hope that as a pastor of this church, I've led the way in being authentic and real with you, so that you know, like you can just share whatever it is. Maybe say, well, "I don't know. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to who to share." That, that's why we talk so much about serving on a team so that you can get to know some more people and build trust with people. That's why we talk about getting involved in a group. We actually have group handouts on the on the chairs for you to to sign up for a group and get to meet some people and talk with people. And I get it, maybe you don't show up to your group the first night and say, let me tell you about me being a sex addict. Okay, yeah, right? Build some trust, build some bridges there, sure. But But we're in this together. We're in this together. That's how we conquer. That's how we overcome. You know, as we, as we reflect over the past five years, I just think about the kind of church that I've tried to build here. And I want to make sure it's crystal clear to you. I don't know if you've ever been to, to New York City, um, but one of the fascinating things about New York City is the subway system that they have there. Right, I mean, it's phenomenal. Just the amount of engineering that's gone into this, the amount of work and effort that's gone into creating the subway system there. And what's fascinating to me too is that there are several uh, subway stations that are that are very unique in the way that they look and the way that they're presented. Like, there's this one at Morgan Avenue, um, and and at Morgan Avenue they have uh, these signs that let you know that you're at the Morgan Avenue uh, station. But this one is a mosaic that's that's been created and it's on a pillar. And uh, I, I love this sign because of the work that, that's involved here. See, see the, the thing about a mosaic is it's this piece of art, and, and this is just a sign, so maybe you don't see it as a piece of art, but it's this piece of art that, that's made with, with, with broken pieces of wood or glass or, or tile or, or stone. And what happens is an artist gathers these broken pieces together to create something, um, more than it could ever be on its own. And it takes work and it takes time and it takes effort. And I love this picture too because you can look and you can see that, that not all the, the pieces are, are the same. Some of them are cracked and chipped. It's, it's dirty, it, it's gritty. But when all these broken, dirty, gritty, cracked pieces come together, it, it makes this it makes sign that, that lets you know where you are. There's another sign at Morgan Ave, and it looks like this. Um, and it's a mosaic as well, but, but if you look closely, you'll see that it's not a real mosaic. It's a picture of a mosaic. Do you see that? What they did was they took a picture of a mosaic, and they put the picture up instead of it being an actual, real mosaic. And I think... This is how most people think of church, and this is how I think most churches operate. It's like, we're cool with talking about being real and raw and gritty, but when it comes to actually exercising it, we're just gonna take a photograph of it. Like, we're gonna be a facade of what's real. Like, not really, like, we're gonna go deep, we're gonna be real, but only so real, right? Because there's a, there's a cutoff point. Like, whoa, that's too real, I don't know about that. <laughs> You know, you start sharing what's really going on. And I don't know about that. Because we sell out to being a photograph of a mosaic instead of the real thing. Could you go back to the other mosaic? Here's, here's what I've always wanted to do, and here's what I've committed to do in leading this church. I want us to be the church that's a real mosaic. Because each and every one of you is a piece that's broken and dirty and gritty. And God wants to use you in this community, putting you together as a whole, putting us together as a whole so that we could be something greater together, so that we could be a move of God here in this city and in this world. And we never wanna whitewash it. We never wanna fake it. We never wanna just pretend that we're real. We never wanna fall in love with the idea of being real and not actually being real. But I commit to be the kind of church that's a real mosaic, where we are going to be real, we are going to be authentic, and we are going to share what's really going on because that's how we find healing. That's how we become greater. That's how we become the people God has called us to be. You know, as we celebrate five years, it, it's an awesome day for me. It is, it is so great. I'm so excited. But there's a, a, a bit of sadness in it for me because I, I think back to some of the people who, who were here before, and we're here because of the dedication and the sacrifice and the commitment of the people who call this church home. That's why we're here. And so for those, for those of you who are dedicated and committed and have sacrificed and have given and served to make this place what it is, I want to thank you so much because we're here because of that. And because of your commitment, God has seen that, I believe, and he's been faithful in our midst. And for us to continue to move forward, for us to continue to grow, for us to continue to reach people, it's going to require all of us saying, we're going all in. We're going to take ownership of this. We're going to make this, this movement, like not just something that we go to, but our lives. So I want to thank you for that. But, but it's sad for me as I look back at, at some of the people who have come and gone, because there are people I know who, who are part of our church, and they were married, and they're not married anymore because they went through some stuff in their life and they withdrew from church and they never told anybody. They never shared anything. They felt like we gotta go through this on our own. And their marriage that was once uh, light and life is now dark and dead. There's people that I know who who were part of this church and they showed up and everything was good and it was all great until it wasn't. And it's like, whatever happened to so-and-so? And then when you dig in and you reach out and you talk to them and you hear some of their backstory, it's like, oh, there was all this stuff coming underneath the surface and the things in your shadows crept up and brought you down. And there are people who, because they kept their stuff to themselves, they never shared this, they never embraced authenticity, they gave up not just on this church, but on church in general. There are people who had this passion for Jesus and it started to, to, to fizzle out and they never said anything and they're nowhere to be found. And it makes me sad because I think, what if they just embrace this value of authenticity? What if they said something? How could their story have been different? What if, what if someone said something to them and said, hey, tell me what's really going on? What's really happening? Could their story have been different? I think right now about a, a couple, they're, they're sleeping in separate bedrooms. And I said, who are you talking to about this? Nobody. Like, The story you're writing with your marriage is not the story you want to write, and as long as you continue to do what you're doing, you're going to keep getting the same story. It's time to be real and say something. I think about people who are paralyzed by insecurity, and they never share that. They just suppress it. I'll just keep on going like everything's okay. It's not. God has called you to something greater than living as a victim of your insecurity. He wants you to live in fullness and confidence. But you'll never experience that until you say, I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be real. We are the church of the broken tiles. We are the church of the dirt and the grit and the grime. We are the church that's real. We are the church that is authentic. That's how we've been, that's how we'll be. And the sadness that I have as I look over the past five years doesn't last very long because I think of all the great ways that God has shown up and all the great, ways that, all the great things that God has done through this church because we've been authentic, because we embrace authenticity. I, I, I think back to the early days when we first launched, and, and, and I remember hearing the stories of people's, people's lives who were changed. I, I reflect on the early days when we launched in Rocky, who works here at the Norva and runs sound for us. He told me early on that he was so glad this church started here because this is what he needed. And if a church didn't meet here, he may never go to church. He may never turn to God. And then it was amazing for me to see him give his life to Christ and be baptized here. I think of our first year when Colby Jones got baptized. And he was so excited that he brought 15 people to witness his baptism and celebrate with him. And from there, six other people decided to get baptized because he brought them. I remember Velda. And in 2016, from a series we did called Resolutions and Revolutions, I preached a sermon called Skeva Sons, Sorcerers and Silversmiths, which by the way, is on our podcast and it's a really great sermon and you should go listen to it. But when I preached that, I challenged our church to to publicly bring up and get rid of anything that was holding them back from following Jesus. And in the aftermath of what was brought, I remember seeing a Buddha statue that was laid up here on the steps along with so many other things. And it was Velda who came to a point in her life where she determined that life was found in Jesus alone and not in Buddha, and she was baptized into Christ. I reflect over the past five years, and I think about Gina. And one of the ways that her and her family battled breast cancer boldly together with the love and support found in this community and she faced it head on with strength and courage. I remember Tony who for our first ever Heart for the House offering, where we give a big offering at the end of the year, Tony came up to me and he said, hey, I make leotards on the side and I sell them for hundreds of dollars. And from now till then, all the leotards I make, I'm gonna give all the money for this offering because I just love this place. I'm reminded of the words of Jessica, who shared when, when she told her family the gift that she wanted for Mother's Day in 2016 was that she wanted to come to church. And so they came here for the first time and they fell in love with the community that's been created here because we are authentic. And now she feels like even though her extended family lives in Florida, she's fine with that because she has family right here in this church. I think about Carrie. I think about Carrie who's a widower and a single mom who found friends and strength in this church as she used her gifts to serve a greater purpose and is setting a phenomenal example for the kids of this church, but also for her very own daughter, showcasing what true strength and humility and compassion look like. I'm reminded of the impact of this church has had on Dan Zerbe and his family. Dan's moved away because he was stationed in California recently and he wrote me saying, I really miss the rising. I miss serving and being there for the message every Sunday. I can't tell you how much The Rising means to my family and I. Rachel and I are so grateful for everything that The Rising has given us, including our many friends. And it doesn't stop with Dan, but it goes on to people like Kat and Sam, Josh and Caitlin, Lindsay, who recently visited from California, and said, I miss this place so much. I still listen to the podcast and tell everyone out here about this church. So what's up, Lindsay, listening in California? As I think back over the past five years, I could tell you about Carolyn, who because she started coming here, her faith went from zero to 100 like that. She's on staff now as our kids ministry coordinator, but recently she told me about how her husband has been impacted by being a part of this community. She said that she was talking to him on the phone about some difficulties she was having and he stopped her then and there and prayed for her right there on the phone. She said, if you would have asked me eight years ago if I ever thought he would do something like that, I would have said, no way. But because he's been part of this community and because he's been pursuing God, change has taken place in my husband's life. I'm reminded of a lot of couples that have met here and have gotten married in this church, Jeremy and Ashley Allen being one of them. I remember meeting Jeremy for the first time that he was brought by his friends Austin and Cindy Yoder and he introduced himself as a church hopper. He said he went from church to church. Well, this church hopper got planted and plugged in and he gave his life to Christ being baptized here. And then Ashley She started coming to church. She got real with some of the crap in her life, and she made the decision to follow Jesus. And like I said, they've been here, and now they're both married. I think about Jason. Not giving up on his friend at work. But because Jason and his family have found community here, he's grown to a point where he's reached out to his friend at work over and over and over again about coming to this church. He reached out for a year and rejection after rejection, he didn't stop, but he kept inviting him. And eventually his friend came. His friend said, I need this. And that's a win for Jason, not giving up, but pushing and pursuing in his faith. And listen, I could go on and on telling stories about people's lives who have been changed and impacted because of this church. And for for many of you, that's your story. But I'll just stop with this one. I remember on Easter of 2017, John Stoneberger, he came in ready to kill himself. But he sat on that third row, that third row from the front, And on Easter of 2017, he heard the message and he allowed the hope and the grace and the love of Jesus to wash over on him. And that day, he chose life. I think back over the past five years and the way people's lives have been changed and impacted because of this community, because of this church, and the only reason is because we embrace this value that we are authentic. We are a real church for real people. And this sermon has been about all the things that God has done in the past five years, but we can't stop, won't stop. God's not done here yet, and God wants to continue to do even more. And so I'm looking ahead to the next five years as each and every one of us, broken pieces in this mosaic, says, God, use my brokenness, use my dirt, use the grittiness of my life to do something great and amazing. Here's what I believe the best is yet to come. Thanks so much for listening. We pray God inspires, challenges, and motivates you to become greater through what you've just heard. Again, be sure to check us out at wearetherising.com. Remember, your best days are still ahead.